Hi, ladies. My name is Brittany King Brock, and you are tuning into the Women Like Me podcast. Women Like Me is a wellness community for professional women in music, entertainment, and creative industries to learn more about the practices of wellness, self care, and mindfulness. I wanted to create a community for women, all with shared experiences, to talk about how we juggle the various hats that we wear, both personally and professionally. As for me, I'm juggling several different things at a time. I'm a wife, mom, music executive, and entrepreneur who knows firsthand how it feels to be burned out, overlooked, and overworked. My goal is to help women learn their power and live authentically as the best version of themselves. If you're ready to take the next step in your wellness journey and be a part of our community, head over to BrittanyKingBrock.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Women Like Me podcast. I am so amped about today's conversation. You guys are in for a real treat. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Amber Grimes, who is an esteemed and established music and marketing executive um, who I've known for many, many years. Amber and I started really in the industry around the same time, um, and our journeys have been amazing, and it's been great to be able to support her and see her as she has evolved as an executive as a woman um, who just is amazing in every area. So I'll do a brief little intro about who Amber is, but the bulk of it will come from her when you guys hear her amazing story and all of the great things that she's done in her career. Um, Since launching her career in 2008, Amber Grimes has consistently trafficked in a lane of her own design. Her personal journey has comprised of key positions at various companies from Def Jam, Reebok, Spotify, in addition to launching her full-service marketing company, Cardi Brand Agency. By 2018, she envisioned, created, and filled the role of SVP Global Creative at Capital Music Group as the youngest Black female SVP in the label group and has been featured in multiple publications, including Forbes, Variety, Billboard, and more. Amber is also a strong and thoughtful voice for needed change within the music industry and a goal-oriented advocate for racial and social justice. She played key roles on UMG's Task Force for Inclusion, where she was the chair of the Partners Committee and the Task Force for Diversity and Inclusion. Amber's ability to stay true to the culture while also creating unique opportunities is what has led her to working with some of today's top talent, including Migos, Logic, Paul McCartney, and Ray Schremer. She is indeed the definition of a woman like me. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. Amber, please welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. That was really lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I practice. So, I mean, I kind of gave like an overview, but it did not do justice to like what you do and really explaining it. So before we dive into our conversation, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do. You did a great job. Um, <laughs> the I guess uh, what I do is really uh, one, the word creative, I feel like gets thrown around very loosely. Um, by many people and can mean many different things. And um, I will clarify that myself as a creative, uh, I specialize in marketing and branding, obviously, but very much like a creative discovery for for artists, um, for anything and anybody. But in the music industry, it's been for artists really helping them 
discover who they are, what their brand is, what's true to them, who they want to be, and building a roadmap to get there. That's That's been my specialty. It's been something that I've been proud to have studied and, and self-taught just by watching some of my favorite superstars, you know, where they started and, and where they are and examining and analyzing all of the, the moves that they made to get there. And so I, I do that with people's businesses. You know, how can you take a business from A to Z? Uh, I, I help people get where they want to go. I think that's the best way to put it. No, that that is absolutely the best way to put it. And I think it's important to note that you've evolved in who you are in your career. And as you mentioned, the services that you're able to provide, I think that it's important to hold that space and to really have the conversations around you started and you're working with artists, but now you've really expanded to where you're you're literally able to take that skill set of being able to connect the dots, market strategy from A to Z and apply that to various businesses, uh, various people who need that. And it's not limited to just the artist side. Um, I think it's really important to note that because oftentimes, especially when you're in like a niche industry like we are when it comes to music, it's hard on paper sometimes to translate that into other industries, whereas with your unique skill set as a marketing executive that's been able to build strategy in various capacities, whether you were on the label side or the DSP side, which is what we'll get to later, because I think you've had a very unique opportunity and experience to be able to see the different sides of it. Oftentimes for some people that can be limiting and you, I'm impressed with your way of how you've been able to take that and translate that same skill set into multiple areas, because a lot of people can't do that. Thank you. Yeah. I used to consider myself like a, a fixer, if you will. Uh, I really enjoyed working with people and working with businesses that wanted to change or, or, or needed to change for that matter. And so I, I became like a professional problem solver. And, and where I'm at now, it's, it's not so much that people have problems. It's, it's more into, you know, who does this company need to be? Who does this person need to become to, really like reach their, their highest potential. And and so I stopped saying that I'm fixing and it's been a lot more of amplifying and, and really just supporting people on their journey. And, you know, but yeah, I, I'm excited to be able to do that. And it's very hard to put that on paper mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or to say that that's a job. I, I'm a professional potential getter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, you, it, it takes the, you, again, you knew me 10 years ago, so it takes that decade plus of work for people to trust and to see like, oh, that's what she does. And I like to consider it a very hard skill and one that I, I hope people put on their resume because it's it's much needed by by artists, businesses and, and just in all industries. Yeah. And and to speak about, you know, the fact that we met 10, 12 years ago when we were both really starting out in the industry and you were working at the time with Boo, Boo who was over at Def Jam and is the uh, vice president. Vice President of Boo Vision, I was working with Chris Hicks, and we were both working in assistant capacities. And I think it's important because a lot of a lot of you who are listening, maybe in college or entry level in your career, can you talk a little bit about the importance of grinding it out like early on? Because we both grinded out when we were in our early twenties. And what was the importance for you in terms of like you've come a long way since your your cheesecake moments with Boo? <laughs> Um, tell us about like that time and how you feel like it has propelled you in your career. Um, I I always say, and I've been saying it for like six years and I think people get tired of me talking about it, but I will never stop that (laughs) being an assistant, um, 
was the most impactful and most important part of my career. I'm forever grateful for the opportunity to have been an assistant. And I think that anybody starting out in the music business that wants to have a long career should start there. Even if you have the opportunity to skip steps, I believe that you should start there. Um, I learned just about 75% of everything that I know about the business being in that role because I was able to be a part of everything. And that's the beauty of it. And I think that some people miss uh, when you're an assistant and when you're a really, really great assistant, you are completely omniscient to everything that your boss does, everybody that they meet with, everybody that they talk to. What are they talking to them about? Where are they going? Where is the hottest restaurant to meet people at? Where it like everything that you need to know to be an executive, you will learn from dealing with an executive, doing their calendar, sitting on their phone calls and I can't express enough that like there's still things that I know from like what's the best hotel to put an artist in or for even myself to stay at or all the way up until how to speak to somebody to mix and master a record. I I had my hand in everything and I was able to see every position that was available in music, which I think was the most valuable thing because I think a lot of people step into an industry like music and they go, I want to be A&R. <laughs> and, and I had a lot of people around me like that. And that was the first thing that I wanted to be because it's the only thing I knew the name of. Mm-hmm. And then I spent probably two years saying I want to be an A&R until I started assisting one. And I was like, I do not want to do this. <laughs> I do not want to sit in the studio and listen to songs play on loop <laughs> for five hours. This is not my ministry. And I think without that experience, people hang on to dreams that they don't even want. And that's a dangerous game to play with your life and to play with your time without getting an opportunity to jump in there and see what's available to you and see what you're good at. So I I will wrap it up in saying that being an assistant is a glorious job because I think people tend to believe or say that it's not, that's the, the, the getting it out the mud and blah, 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 blah. It is the, the best school that you could go to to become a master at anything that you want to do. Yes, yes, yes. I second everything that you've said. And I always tell people when they ask me the best way to start. And like you mentioned, you know, most of us started thinking that we wanted to be A&Rs. I was the exact same way because it was the only thing that was really like highly promoted. And like it was it, it looked so cool. And for me, you know, I also started as an assistant. And I think it depends on who you're assisting. It depends on the amount of autonomy and trust that they give you and that you have to really be great at your job. But when you're the assistant, especially to a high level executive or entrepreneur, you are the gatekeeper and everything flows through you. And so a lot of even my personal experiences when I started off as an assistant, I was working with high profile artists. You know, one of my first artists that I worked with was Usher. And being the day to day person, although on paper I was an executive assistant to Usher's manager, but I was the person who was handling the bulk of the work. Um, and like you mentioned, that's where 75 to 80% of my knowledge that I even use to this day, even in terms of like 
my like I'm super I'm an organized operations workflow person that's just the way my brain thinks but it was a lot of that that was formed when I was an assistant to someone else and my job was to help them get their life in order and create systems but those practices are things that I still apply to my life and my clients lives like to this day and it's knowledge that I gained 12, 15 years ago. Um, and so anyone who is listening, if you're trying to figure out whether it's in the music industry or not, how you can get your foot in the door, do not overlook any assistant opportunities because that is where you'll meet a lot of your relationships. There are people that I'm still in business with today that I met as, as an assistant. And so that's very, very valuable. And thank you, Amber, for like sharing that because I think people look oftentimes at like the titles of once you get to the, the the high level, quote unquote, in your career. But it's so important to take a look at that full roadmap and see where a person started, see the obstacles that they faced along the way, see the pivots that they've made. Like for me, if you look at my resume, I started in A&R and then did a full pivot into operations, into strategy, because I realized like you, A&R was not where I thrived. Like, although I have an ear and a knack for it, I personally was not fulfilled by being in the studio 16, 20 hours a day. Like that was not, that was not me being my best self, but for somebody else, that is what they need. Um, But it's important that you fall in alignment with like who you truly are and you're not doing it for the look because a lot of times people will do things for the look. No, I agree a hundred percent. So we talked about that and even you know, you've had the unique experience of working at a DSP, which is a digital service provider at Spotify. And you also have the experience of working with record labels. Um, I'm curious to know, what are some areas that you feel the record industry can be more innovative? Always. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think that uh, the record labels they have an infinite amount of opportunity to be more innovative. I do think that the labels try and they adopt things, you know, as fast as a, as, as people adopt technology, right? There's always, you remember like how we're, we're old. So I'll say this, (laughs) you remember (laughs) when all of the, um, you know, new social apps were coming out and I date all the way back to black planet. And I will always remember this feeling of when a new platform would come and that little uh, bit of anxiety that it would give you as a kid about switching over to this new thing. What is it? Is it as cool? Is Black Planet as cool as Instant Messenger was? Okay, well, is MySpace going to be as cool as Black Planet was? Well, Facebook offers me these other things, but I won't have a top eight. Uh, Like all of these little like moments of apprehensiveness that you would feel because you have to move forward in technology. And I see that a lot. I won't just call out music labels. Um, I see that in businesses a lot that they, they can be apprehensive to the future because sometimes that move isn't always the move, right? So you don't want to just jump into what the next thing looks like because you might waste your time or it looked cool, but then, you know, it's Vine, but something like TikTok is coming. And you really need to lean into that. So I know that it's a guessing game, but I think all around, you know, the record labels have an opportunity to be more innovative about the roles that are truly important now because the music business has changed. I think that there are some archaic roles that still 
have the authority and just this air of importance when we're fully in a new world. This is a streaming world. Um, so there are certain formats and things that, that aren't as impactful anymore. And I don't know that the labels have realized or been able to make those changes in prioritizing roles now that are super important, like commercial and revenue, those teams that actually deal with the streaming partners. You know, sometimes those jobs aren't the six figure jobs and they should be because Mm -hmm. that's where the money comes from. Um, You know, roles like digital marketing, what marketing isn't digital, right? Everything happens on Instagram, on your computer, everything's digital. There, there is no separation really between what's digital and what's marketing, you know, and seeing those two positions come together in a beautiful way and helping form something else that's much needed, creative marketing. That's different. That's different than digital. This is the person that sets the tone and the direction for a full campaign and lets everybody know what the assignment is and make sure that they understand I I believe that there's lots of roles that must be created, roles that must be condensed, and unfortunately, roles that should be eliminated in order for for record labels to move into the future properly and more quickly be able to adapt to change and to technology because now it's just moving really fast. And if if you miss it, you know, I would hope that they learned from that time when when they were trying to hold on to CDs. Mm -hmm. It's over. (laughs) Yeah, it's over. And it's time to learn something new. It's time to learn something new. So this streaming thing, let's go. Right. And now they should be able to look back and say that worked. So let me ask you this. Do you think because, you know, I have have really been a student of like the trends and where things are happening. And if you really pay attention, which I'm sure you would agree, like the industry has been and is continuing to trend independent. Right. In terms of the changes that you feel should be made, do you think those changes Will they come from the outside first and then go inward? Or do you think they have to start at the majors? Like who leads the charge there? I hope it's people like me. I Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there's a lot of moving parts at a label. And I respect that, especially very high level executives are just trying to keep the train going. Yeah. We're signing artists at an exponential rate. You know, there, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, traditional business that that also has to be upheld, um, I believe, for record labels to to just get through the day to day. But I think that there's disruptors that come along and pitch roles and pitch things and and should be responsible for what's new and what's happening and be respected enough to be able to walk in whoever's office and say, this is what we have to focus on. Mm-hmm. I did the research this is crazy uh, NFTs, this, this, that. I, this is the information. I know you don't understand it, but trust me, we got to get on top of this. We have to figure yeah. this out. And I hope that more of those people have the opportunity to be in the room to do that, to help the, the folks that are very needed to keep it traditional, also help keep it moving forward. And, you know, the, the independent side of, uh, of artistry, this is a whole nother, just a whole nother conversation. Right. That is, uh, yeah, that's a part yeah, that's gonna, that's <laughs> gonna come, that's gonna come from the artists. Um, you know, it was a very big deal. Jay-Z made a big deal of it on Twitter 
spaces to come and say how impactful it was for for Alicia Keys to be in the position that she's in right now. Um, It's going to take for a few more Russes. I know everybody doesn't love what he has to say, but he is a successful independent artist. And for those people to keep showing that you can be successful on your own as a case study, I think for people to really trust and believe that and and start that way then instead of having to go into the label, get frustrated and then become an independent artist. Just choose it. Just choose it. And also, I think it's important that that artists and, you know, independent labels are properly educated on what that track is, um, because oftentimes it's presented without the full details of what the the level of sacrifice will be. And I think, you know, sometimes people go to the label because it seems to be the easiest or the most traditional option, but not necessarily considering what you're giving up for that, which is, you know, where I am in my in my life now that I'm not affiliated with a label like I previously was. And I'm I'm, I'm really putting energy into working with independent artists and, and labels and publishers to make sure that that educational portion is there and that they know how to build their company, what they need from a place of staffing, infrastructure, um, because that is the wave of the future. And in order for those artists to really be set up for success, they have to have that knowledge, which, you know, oftentimes by design was left out. And I think it's time for that to also to be a change. And so it's interesting, you know, we talked about how the business has changed drastically since you and I entered it to where we're still like, I feel like I'm still a student and I've been in the business for 15 plus years, but because it's so different, I have to continuously like learn and evolve. And anyone who feels like they have it all figured out, that's when, in my opinion, that's when you, you, you fail and you become archaic because it's not the same as it was 10 or 15 years ago. How do you feel that is affecting how we market artists? Because a lot of artists have voiced opinions when it comes to their labels and the, the lack of support that they feel like they've gotten. Have you noticed a difference between how artists today are marketed, be it good or bad? So the first part is like when I made a decision to drop out of college, my decision, my thought process was immediately that if I choose to go this route, I will have to work 10 times harder at everything I try to do because I'm making this decision. Uh, at, at 20 years old, this was my, this is what was running through my head. If I, if I make this choice, I understand that I am choosing a harder life. And I said, yes. And I agreed to that. And I decided that I was going to take everything that came with that, even though I didn't even know what that was. Um, when people decide to step out or to start on faith or whatever it is being independent, you must realize that you have to work harder. And I think that there's a lot of people that choose to be independent or go, I'm going to start my own record label and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that without the reality of the fact that they have to do everything themselves, that that there's nobody to help. There's no handouts. You know, unless you, you have a strong team around you, then your team is still responsible for doing everything themselves. And I think that people should make sure that they have a better understanding of the business as a whole so that they can make a wise choice about whether they want that help that a label provides and they're willing to sacrifice a percentage of their their career, their earnings, et cetera, because they go, you know what? I'm not proficient in that. I'm lazy. I don't have it together. I need these people to come and help me. Whatever whatever the case may be for them, right? 
or they go, I know exactly what it takes. I'm going to build a team around me and I'm choosing to take a harder road and I'm going to be successful at it. Like if I could give anybody who wants to be independent or wants to start something, any advice, it's to make sure that you sit down with yourself and make that conscious decision and then go off or don't, right? Mm-hmm. There's no there's no right or wrong answer, but like keep it real right. first. It's not cool to be independent just because it's cool. Yeah, It's cool to be independent because you can, <laughs> because yeah. you have the resources you have or to you're have going the resources. to create them. Yep. You have to have the resources in order to successfully make it as an independent artist. And that varies for every single situation. There's no one size fits all. And I think it's important that as an artist, anyone who's considering that, if you're considering, you know, starting your own indie label, having an artist or a roster of artists, understanding exactly like, like Amber said, what that investment is. So One thing that I want to touch on, Amber, that I was super impressed by is that you recently, well, a few years ago, you created a role for yourself. Um, You created a role for yourself as the SVP of Global Creative with uh, Capital Music Group. So what is your approach to leveraging your skills for a new role when you are interviewing or going after a position, whether it was that one or your previous stints at Spotify, uh, Def Jam, what's your approach to leveraging your skills? Because of my decision to go out and and get it on my own and work 10 times harder than everybody else, uh, one of my tactics uh, from way back was to look at people's business and realize what they don't have. Nobody needs more of what they already have. You you may be able to, you know, people hire redundant roles all the time and that's fine. That's not my ministry. But I look at businesses and I say, what is this business missing? And if what they're missing is me, my skills, my specialties, the things that I that I'm good at, I, I offer those up into the business and I don't know any business that has somebody sit down with them and goes, this is what you guys lack. This is how important it is. And this is what's being affected because you don't have this. And also I can fill that hole, right? If you go, if you mm-hmm. go to anybody and you tell them that, and it all makes sense, you know, of course, and they go, eh, I'm not really interested in that. It's probably not the business you want to work at anyway. Right. Because they're right. not, they're not thinking forward. Um, but I've been big on how can I come in because, because my purpose, uh, I should say is to affect change wherever I go. As corny as it is, I I definitely consider myself a disruptor. I'm not coming into anybody's business to do what somebody already does. I'm coming in to make a huge impact by fixing something or by allowing the company to thrive in a way in which it wasn't even thinking about or a way in which it was struggling to thrive because it didn't have my perspective or my expertise And so I have just jumped out there uh, with a blind level of confidence, like I said, since I was probably 19 years old and said, okay, this is where I want to be. This is what I'm great at. This is what they lack. One plus one equals two. And it's Mm -hmm. that simple. And um, I I don't forgive me for um, I don't want to make it seem simple as if like anybody can walk in the room with the, the biggest executive at a record label and go, I want to do this for you, right? It's a buildup process, right? I, I understand that. But the way that I started doing that in my early days 
was when I was doing like a social media management for people, um, I would DM them and say, your, your Instagram sucks. <laughs> you don't have this. You don't have this. The, you, you guys are doing paid things that make your, your engagement looks fake, et cetera, et cetera. But I can help you. That's how I did it on a smaller scale. And as I kept practicing that, it taught me how to go and sit in a room with Steve Barnett and tell him what his company needed or, or even at Spotify to say, I can fill this role in a deeper way than you guys are even thinking. And, and it's a, and it's a buildup, right? But consistently it's the same thing. How can I affect change? It does this business need me and let me go tell them why. Right. So if I'm hearing you correctly and for, for you listening, the three things that I kind of take away from that are first, first you have to figure out whatever the unique value is that you bring to the situation. And then you have to have the ability and the confidence to sell that skill or to be able to communicate that skill. And then you have to be able to say that you can provide a solution. Would you say that those are kind of like the three points or the, the, the way that you kind of approach things is like, where can I create value and where can I provide a solution? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the where, this is like a, a thing that you will learn about networking too. The real way to network in which I think everybody usually is networking because there's an opportunity that they want <laughs> or that they, you know, they want to present themselves as an option to fill a space. Um, it is always, what can I do for you? Not what can y'all do for me? Yeah. And that, that is how I approach meeting people. That's how I approach a company I want to work for. That's how I approach an artist that I want to have a relationship with. That's how I approach everything. What can I do for you? Let me show you how valuable I can be to what you're doing. Because just me being able to be valuable to you already solves, it already answers the question of what you can do for me. Yep. Yep. That That's so powerful. And that is that's working a muscle right there because once you're able to get into that mindset, it's able to translate into literally every area of your life and you develop a service mindset of how do I walk into wherever it is, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's my personal relationships, like how am I here to create impact? How am I here to make whatever this, this environment is where I'm placed, make something better? Um, and I think oftentimes, especially in our industry, from my experience, people come all the time trying to figure out what they can take, what they can get instead of, you know, saying, hey, I'm able to create this level of value for you. I'm able to take this off of your plate, which will make life easier. Even with people, when people come to me and say, oh, I want to be A&R and I'm super, super passionate about working with artists. My next question is, OK, tell me three new artists that are unsigned that you think somebody should take a look at. And then it's crickets. And I'm like, wait a minute, you just hyped yourself up, said that you know everything about music, but when I gave you the shot, you weren't ready. So you also have to, you know, for those who are listening, whatever industry you're trying to get into, wherever you are in your career, maybe you're trying to elevate to the next level, make sure that when you go up and you have that opportunity, whether it's to, to take a, a meeting to get a promotion, make sure you are well-equipped and prepared and that you know your stuff. Because oftentimes the doors don't open twice. And so when the door opens, make sure that you're ready to really walk into it. Because oftentimes when you're, especially when you're speaking with someone who's an executive, you get a very limited amount of their time. And that's another part when it comes to, to networking is making sure that 
you're not not necessarily wasting a person's time, but that you have your elevator pitch together um, and that you're not looking to take from someone, but that you're able to 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 offer that value. That's extremely important. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's man. That's my pet peeve. It's just like <laughs> you, you just made my skin crawl. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> saying, you know, this is what I can do or this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. Or like, uh, you know, on their Instagram, promoting themselves as a fitness instructor, but they don't work out on their page. Like, right. How, how are you advertising this? Like, it's like seeing a commercial come on, getting excited about the commercial, going into a store to go buy something and they don't have it. Or they're like, actually, no, like we don't sell that here. Well, it's like right. you guys, you guys just sent me an ad about it. Like, it's like clicking on an Instagram ad and the store doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I really want this product. This looks great. And I click on it and it's not that it's out of stock. Y'all never had it. <laughs> Y'all don't actually make it. What are you selling? Like, what are we talking about? Why are you about? wasting my time? What are we talking about? Um, so, so Amber, there are, there are a lot of young women who are, you know, just starting out who are inspired by your journey, but maybe they've never experienced like any of the challenges you face to get there. Uh, what would you say is your advice to them on doing great work, but also staying mentally and emotionally healthy? Like what are some ways that, that you've been able to do that? (laughs) Um, because I've been through it. I'm very big on people not skipping steps and I would have never known what I needed emotionally or how mentally strong I was if I didn't have to go through things that tested my emotions and my mental strength or strain my mental health and, and making me take a step back and say, hmm, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't want to be treated like that. Actually, I can deal with this and this is how I'm going to deal with it or this is how I'm going to cope because I'm choosing to go through this and I don't want to give anybody advice to help them skip pivotal moments in their lives where they need to go through something and figure out how they'll never go through that again because they're making a decision about how they want to live their lives or how they want to be treated. I will say that you will you need to have a set of morals just up front. Um, I have always been very clear about disrespect. I've never, I don't care what the opportunity is. I don't care who the person was. I don't care what you have to offer me. I never have allowed people to disrespect me in any way, verbally, physically, anyway. Um, and that's been my thing, right? So that has set me up for success and allowed me to recognize when things where there were things that I considered disrespect and to be able to quickly make a decision that I wasn't going to be a part of that. But then there's other things in this business that threw me for a loop because I never experienced them. And I may have never even experienced them as a form of disrespect. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) where did y'all make that one up? I never seen this on TV. I have no reference for this. Mm -hmm. Um, And those were the things that allowed me to make the best decisions for me. And had I not experienced them, I would be lost and not even know that I was lost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. You know, we have been able to grow and to elevate in our career. And I think for, for both of us, there were things that we sought after Um, Or we thought that we thought were the goal. And then when we got it, we realized kind of like what really came with that. 
and the level of awareness that comes when you're placed in certain situations, at least for me, it was like, you know, I had this goal of climbing up the ladder and getting certain titles and accolades. And then when you get it and you kind of realize the politics that go behind it, you know, if we're just being frank, um, the politics, but also just like the uneasiness of spirit. And just like you, I'm a person who has never tolerated the disrespect. And, and more importantly, as I've evolved into my womanhood, I know my value and I don't allow that value to be dictated by anyone outside of me and the God that I serve. And so when you are placed in certain situations where you feel undervalued, where you feel taken advantage of for whatever reason, I think that it's important to get to a place for yourself and your own personal core values of who you are, what you will and won't stand for, where you're okay with walking away from things when they no longer serve you. And, you know, you and I have had conversations where it doesn't have to make sense for anybody else. Like when you make decisions that make sense for you, whether this just isn't the place for me anymore or this isn't where I see my life going, it's important to really have that level of confidence because people are going to have their opinions. And I've I've learned to accept the fact that other people's opinions have nothing to do with me. Um, it's simply their opinion and they can keep that for whatever it is. But it's, it's hard, especially being a woman, especially being a woman of color in the male dominated spaces that we work in and that we we move in have you had that that feeling of or that pressure of like oh man because there aren't a lot of us i have to really carry it on my back for us have you ever had that that feeling yeah sure and i'm and i'm okay with that because my goal anywhere i go is to multiply right it's it's never to be the only person in the room, whether it's the only black woman, the only black person, uh, it, what whatever it is. Um, I just go in a room thinking I'm I'm very happy to be here because now I'm gonna open the door so I won't have to be alone or dealing with this alone for much longer. And 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 I'm okay to take that burden just because of the way that life is set up. Somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> Some somebody has to take that on, and I'm okay with that responsibility. But you 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 said something um, about just the things that you learn, and I, and I'll, I'll tell you this: this is the first time I'm saying it because I really just had a realization about it this year after after many things that I went through, and I I just learned how to be okay with people liking me. Excuse me, with people not liking me um, this year. Mm. I, I had a I had a realization, and and this is what I mean about like when you don't have these experiences, you don't know. I I have you know gratefully always had a great experience in school. I was cool in school. I had lots of friends. You know, I, I hung with all the kids. I was like the, the, you know, I was a class president in high school three years in a row until I got impeached. That's another story. But <laughs> it's, you know, I, I never, I never experienced that. I always worked with my friends. So I never experienced any like conflict in the workplace. And then I worked at other places where it was a beautiful staff and everyone loved each other. And then I had this experience where people just didn't like me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I never experienced this before. <laughs> and how late am I to the game? It's like somebody like having their first drink when they're like 25 or something. Like I was really late to the game with people having a problem with me. And I didn't realize that. I just didn't know. And I really just came to this realization this year that like, I don't care if people don't like me. 
And I'm so happy to be there. And how I got there was like, let me examine the reason why I might get under someone's skin. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at my experience and I examined the reasons, like if people don't like me because I'm smart, (laughs) if people don't like me because I hold myself accountable and hold other people accountable, which sometimes causes people more work. If people don't like me because I shine bright in a room because I have ideas and I'm passionate and maybe that's not how they show up to work, that is not my problem. Yeah. And I'm not going to waste any more energy being upset about not being liked because when I step back and understand Because understanding is very important. Understanding is the key to self-awareness. I'm okay with people not liking me because I show them their insecurities. Mm -hmm. That is not my problem. When I understand that it is a deeply personal problem, why somebody would have a problem with me, unless I did something to them. When when you can say like, I didn't do anything to you. I don't even know you, lady. Um, Yeah. I became okay with that. And I feel very late to the game of even, I didn't realize that I didn't know that feeling. I felt very late to the game of, of somebody not liking me. And sometimes for people, that's something you deal with in high school quick, right? Like, Oh, girls picked on me or whatever. And I think those people have a tougher skin. So as tough as I thought I was, I I wasn't because I had this experience. Um, And and that's one of those things where I say like, don't skip steps because I'm so, I'm so grateful for that experience because it, it brought on a world of other realizations too, that I'm like, I'm going to always be me wherever I go. And if people don't like it, they can leave because I'm not going anywhere. Or if people don't like it enough, I'll leave because it's not a space that I deserve to be in. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That revelation is so powerful. It's so freeing. Oh my God, because like I had the same experience. Um, and oftentimes people not liking you, like you mentioned, has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with their lack of being held accountable when you're coming in and you're shaking the tree. And I think for me, coming to that realization, it's a hard lesson to learn, but once you learn it, it wherever you take that knowledge, you'll be forever changed. Especially if you're someone who moves as a leader, like I am a natural leader. You are a natural leader. And one thing that I've had to learn about being a leader is oftentimes as a leader, you're not going to be liked. And so if you're more concerned with people liking you, chances are you're not going to be a great leader. Um, and it's not that you have to, to not be liked in order to lead. I'm not saying that at all. But one thing that I can say is those, especially for me in my last role, those who worked directly with me and not you know, heard about me from afar or got so-and-so's impression of me and they therefore formed their own opinion. But those who work directly with me literally to this day are still my mentees, are still people who are calling me to get advice when they're trying to work through situations. And so so for me as a leader, um, although there were definitely moments where you get discouraged and you're like, damn, you know, why do people have this opinion of me? And and I think it's, it's oftentimes it's layered. You know, we're both very young to be able to have had the type of success that we've had in our careers. And to some people that's problematic or they don't like it. But then if you are a different type of leader, people don't like it. And so I encourage you and I, I applaud you for being able to kind of pull yourself back and 
see it from the outside and be open to hearing people's perspectives uh, because that only helps you to continue to grow as a leader. And I'm sure there, there are lessons that you could, you have learned from that just as there are lessons that I've learned from mine, but it's, it's super important to not allow those experiences to change you. Yeah, I, I, I very quickly realized that I was confusing uh, where my interests lied. I was confusing being liked and respected. And now I know all I care about is that people respect me. I do not care if you like me or not. I, I don't care how how you feel <laughs> about me when you go to sleep at night. I cannot change that. But I do very much care that people respect me. And I can I feel good at night knowing that that's your experience with me. Yeah. One of respect. And, and, and I can't control anything else. Yeah. That's that's out of my control. I can control people respecting me and as a leader what's important in order for you to become a leader and to remain a leader is that people respect you and now I get it. Yeah. I get it now. Yep. So so tell us um before we move on to our, our next topic. Tell us most recently you transitioned into a new role um with Love Renaissance. What led you to making that decision? Uh what what led me to to making a, a huge career change for me, actually. One one that seemed natural to many, um, but it was a big change for me, was just these realizations of uh, how I wanted to feel on Monday mornings um, mm-hmm. and how I wanted to be treated by people that I work with and that I have to talk to every day and sit on Zoom calls with because my work is my life. Um, it was a lot of how how I wanted to feel when I'm getting things done. Um, it was about the excitement that I craved for again when working with an artist or working through a campaign. Um, it, it was just so much about what I needed now and realizing what was important to me and what absolutely was not. I, I was very clear that in this season, uh, what was important to me was freedom, equity, and an actual happiness. And, and, and I think people throw, I want to be happy, happiness, happy, happy, happy around all the time. And I took some time to define what that meant for me. And I went and found that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I went and discovered an opportunity that was everything it was it was lying right under my nose the whole time too by the way um i mean but, we all saw it <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my fault <laughs> but d- discovering and taking a moment to go what do i have to sacrifice for for freedom equity and happiness and and having that conversation again with myself that that dropout conversation that if i choose this if i choose me cuz cuz when i say choose me it's what what i want in this moment if i choose me what do I have to give up? What do I have to do to, to experience me? And I made that agreement with myself and I'm, and I'm happy with it. Yes, I am happy for you because you chose to go where you are seen and where you are valued. And as someone who, you know, we've had several conversations about the feeling that we want to feel in, in how we approach our work and how we approach our interactions with with clients and vendors and you know what we do is such a 
soul giving experience it really is like you're you're in these relationships and marriages and it's like intertwined with like souls um because we're so in depth in in our level of work and we've been able to provide that for years and years and years and after a while it starts to become draining and you get older. And as you get older, your priorities change, your perspective of life changes. Um, you realize and become clearer on the value that you bring to whatever room you walk into. And so I am just happy that as someone who, who has seen the journey that like when I saw it and, you know, of course I knew it was happening before, but <laughs> I'm like, man, like, Good for you, Amber, because you chose to go where you are seen. You chose to go where you are valued. And oftentimes we pursue these things because of the hype and because of the look and because of all of these other exterior reasons when it's okay to simply go somewhere for freedom, to simply go somewhere because you're working with people that you like. And like, I'm in a season at the same place of like, I want to work with people that I like. I want to work with artists whose music I am actually a fan of. I want to be able to bring the value that I bring to people who will appreciate it. Um, so, so if I haven't told you that, like, kudos to you because that's a really big step. That was that wasn't just a, a a small. I'm going. I'm making this decision, and it's clear in front of me. That was a big move for you as a woman, just like in your wholeness and your fullness. So, kudos to you. Thank you. And I'll, I'll make one correction to that statement. I work with people I love and I work in a place where I'm loved. Yeah. And I think a lot of people say that, um, you know, you, you don't mix business and personal and don't do business with your friends and blah, 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 blah. That's what I come from. And all I did was go back to what I know because I've never worked in a space with people I didn't love. And that with people that didn't love me back, that was a new experience to be in some place where, where that wasn't the feeling I got. And I am saying that it is possible because I've experienced it time and time again. And I've experienced the lack of it, that if you, like you said, this is a soul sucking business. I spend day and night doing this. I do not clock out at five. The people that I'm around, I have to speak to, to get this job done every day. Every day on the phone, see them in person. It, it is a all encompassing job to be in the music industry, no matter what your role is. And I demand that I feel love all day long. <laughs> if, if I'm going to give my life to something because I want to love my job, I want to love the people that I work with and I want to love what we do every day. Mm-hmm. And on Monday, on Monday, it makes it a whole lot easier to get up knowing that I'm going to hop on the phone with somebody I take a bullet for. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, and that has been my experience in every working opportunity that I have. And I feel that there was one point in which I traded that feeling for something that I thought I wanted that I know now is not important to me at all. And I believe that when I am experiencing what's most important to me, which is that love, that that thing that I sacrifice will come back to me tenfold because that's really how you get it. Yep. Yep. And I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Now that's perfectly, perfectly clear. So we're about to get ready to wrap things up. I think this has been an, an amazing conversation. Um, what are some areas that you're looking to personally improve this year? Um, 
during the pandemic and, and, and it's still going on, I had a lot of realizations about things that I was doing and things that I was buying and people that I was keeping in contact with that either wasn't healthy for me, wasn't necessary, or, or I just couldn't answer. Like, why? Why? Why are you doing that? Why do you go there? Why are you getting dressed for this? Who are mm-hmm. you trying to impress? There was a lot of questions that I ended up asking myself and that I didn't have the answer to. And I spent some time and then I answered them. And when my answer became, I don't know, or, or, or many other answers, um, I'm trying to improve this year, just being really, really honest with myself and being very self-aware. And when I don't want to go somewhere, I'm not going. <laughs> and when I don't want to do something, I'm not doing it. And if I don't want to be around somebody, I will not be around them in addition to making sure that they don't have access to me in any way, because I also don't want them to want to be around me. I don't want their energy, period. (laughs) Um, And so I'm going through this process and it's going to be a constant uh, journey, something that I'm always trying to improve with just being honest about what makes me happy, what serves me and serves my highest self. And anytime I feel like I'm about to be a part of something that doesn't, I will remove myself from the situation or I will never even allow myself to enter it. Yeah. And and that is where I am right now. Oh man. So powerful. I mean, you know me, you know, I'm a professional energy dodger Uh, because Peace is more (laughs) important than anything. And I tell people all the time that no is a complete answer. It's a complete sentence. You know, Um, when you say no, it doesn't have to come with an explanation. It doesn't have to leave room for anyone to give their opinion on why you should turn that no into a yes. Like no is a complete sentence. And so I think that those are some very um, great areas for you to explore this year. As always, you know, I'm always here to support you. Because we're all on this journey of self-improvement together and this evolution and and adulting is a a beautiful and hard thing. Um, And a part of the reason why I started this community is for women like you and I to know that we're not alone in it. And I think oftentimes the easy conversation is career and growth. But one thing that people oftentimes ignore is that in order for you to grow on that career side, you have to get the personal side together. Like the two work hand in hand um, if you want to really be aligned. And and I think we know a lot of examples of people who kind of get that a little too late. And it's up to us to, to start doing that work early so that we really position ourselves to create the life that we really want to live and a life that makes us truly happy. So thank you so much. It's been great having this conversation with you. Um, Before we wrap up, I know that you've previously shared about how much you enjoy a book on love by Marianne Williamson. Are there any other things that you are reading, watching, or listening to that our community should check out? I'm watching everything. So don't even get me started on TV. (laughs) We don't have enough time, Brittany. <laughs> what do you like on TV? <laughs> everything. I watch everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching Euphoria. I think with the rest of the world right now. Um, I just finished Yellow Jackets. Um, I love season two of Love Life. Um, <laughs> I'm going through and just like that. I, I watch everything on TV. Everything. I'm watching old stuff. I never really got into Veep. 
So I just started that and I'm rewatching Silicon Valley. Like you name it, I'm on it. You're on everything, um, literally. <laughs> but a book, um, I, I will just say, and again, I say this in every interview, um, Marianne Williamson's books is one of my favorite, but uh, Conversation with God, book one is so important to me. And it's important for the exact reason that you said that is the book that helped me learn how important it is to care more about who I am and who I'm being more than what I do and what I'm doing. I, I It helped me figure out who I want to be, how I want to smell, how I want people to experience me, who, how, how do I approach forgiveness? How do I approach love? How do I approach conflict? Um, and those are the things that help me navigate once I get into career, what type of person I'm going to be, what type of leader I'm going to be, and also to be able to quickly recognize what type of place or person doesn't serve me because it goes against everything that I know I am because I had figured out who I was before what I did became who I was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would suggest anybody that needs some guidance there to read Conversations with God. Um, it's not what it sounds like by the title. It's extremely informative in making sure you understand what even being your highest self means so that I, I give that to you guys and I will give that to every interview because I want everybody that ever experiences me on a podcast to hear me say that. Read that book. I will definitely be adding it to my list. I haven't read that one. So thank you so much for sharing it. I'll add it to the show notes so that everybody can have a link. So Amber, for everyone that's looking to keep up with you um, and stay connected, Drop your notes on where they can find you. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Burcardi, B-U-R-R-C-A-R-D-I, across all social platforms. And I promise I'll get on TikTok at some point, uh, just not today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, perfect. And we will be sure to add that information in the show notes as well. And thank you so much, Amber. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Until then, stay well. Thank you for tuning in to the Women Like Me podcast. If you'd like to connect with me further, please reach out on Instagram at Brittany King Brock and at Women Like Me. If you're looking to check out more episodes of the show and learn about our community and upcoming events, go to BrittanyKingBrock.com. Until next time, be well.